everybody and welcome to another brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. My name is T and of course we're talking scary movies. I appreciate everybody tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes with the video content go live every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on the YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Again, youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. And of course, if you're listening to the audio only version, you can find us on all your favorite uh, podcasting platforms. Just search T Watches a Scary Movie and our audio versions go up one hour before. So you can catch those at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on Wednesdays. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash T Scary Movie. Sometimes I put up written reviews there. We drop a lot of big movie TV and game news in the world of horror as well, too. We have some great fun conversations. And of course, you can see upcoming episodes we have in the works, as well as you can also see our movie nights that we're doing because we do engage in movie nights, which are the most fun. Every Wednesday after the new show, we typically are gonna watch what I was reviewing or something related to that. So you wanna make sure you go to the Facebook group so you can see what we have coming up here over the next few months. Cause I do have the schedule built out until like mid to late April actually. So we're looking pretty good and there's some great things coming up. We got a lot of werewolf movies next month. We're looking at uh, some Guillermo del Toro movies as well. I know it's finally happening uh, for me there. And then we're also getting into a series that I have, uh, I, I absolutely love. And I don't know why I haven't thought about it in a long time. We're talking years at this point, folks. Um, we are gonna actually take a look at the old After Dark Horror Fest collection of films. Uh, if you haven't heard of those, back starting in 2006, if I'm correct, um, this new horror festival was put together to where people were just put it, making horror movies. And they were released as the After Dark Horror Fest. And there were a collection of movies released pretty much every year in this festival. And I remember I got to see most of the movies in uh, the second one they did, the one that would have been in 2007. I saw a handful of the ones in 2006, and I thought, you know what? What better time to start actually watching these, looking at them, and giving y'all a chance to see something that you might have missed, because there are a lot of gems in this uh, in this After Dark Horror Film Festival. So we're going to do uh, spread those out over the next few months. We're going to do a few films in March, a few in April, a few in May, a few in June, and then we'll see what happens after that. But there's a lot of really fun stuff stuff coming as well we're looking at doing another all-nighter coming up in april so don't have the date out there for it yet but we are looking at april for the next all-nighter that we're going into so go to the facebook group make sure that you're in it facebook.com slash group slash t scary movie and of course follow me on my socials i'm on twitter it's axdew a-x-d-e-w and i'm on instagram at theron underscore Reynolds give me a follow and uh, have some chats with me Twitter is so much fun because like I'm subscribed and following all these different horror platforms and podcasts and websites and actors and filmmakers and everything like that and I feel like it's the most engaged I've been in a long time like I'm actually I look forward to engaging with horror fans so much so uh definitely give me a follow on Twitter for that but what are we talking about tonight uh something came out recently didn't it well um Oh, oh, yeah, a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie just hit on Netflix recently, and we gotta discuss it because, oh man, has there been a lot of discourse about this over the uh, last few days. Uh, this released on Netflix just this past Friday, the 18th, 
And since then, it has just blown up for good or bad. Everybody in the horror community is talking about this film and with a good reason as well, too, because it's another revival we're getting of a classic series. I mean, think about it. We've already got in new entries in, you know, Candyman, Chucky, Scream, like we're getting a lot of our old stuff back. And that's the best thing in the world because I love new properties, but anytime we can actually revisit our old classic stuff as well, too, it's always a win for everyone. And good or bad, we get new and more exciting projects when these films and TV series do really well. So, uh, especially because we're going to talk about some of the stuff that people are ripping on with this movie. But just remember that, y'all. Being a horror fan, no one's saying that you can't hate things. That's not my style. Like, there are, there are films out there that I do definitely hate, but I'm not necessarily going to say they're a bad film. It's just not my style behind it there. Um... And I get it, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of critics out there in the last few days say that you can't really be a critic if you're not going to call a movie bad. And that's bullshit because it's subjective. It's subjective just like your taste of a movie as well, too. I don't feel that you necessarily have to rip something apart in order to get your point across. Because uh, it might not be for you. It just might not be for you. There is such a thing as bad movie, but it's rare that I think there are just straight up bad movies that I'm watching a lot of the time, too. Uh, so there's that. But we are absolutely going to be talking the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. And I want to start by talking about a bit of the backstory of that with our previous films that we've had. Because if you recall, this is not uh, not even a small number of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel. We have the original film. We have part two. We have Leatherface, which is number three. We have The Next Generation. That's the Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger one. We have uh, the reboot with Jessica Biel. We have the prequel to the Jessica Biel one. We have Texas Chainsaw 3D. And then we have our second Leatherface name film, which is the prequel to the original film. And 2022 would end up being number nine. So we have nine entries in this series. Uh, and it's nice to see that a lot of our classic series are getting up there in number. You know, quality is one thing about it. But our Jasons, our Freddies, our Michael Myers, and now our Leatherfaces are getting to add to that. So that's great that Texas Chainsaw Massacre gets another entry to entertain us. So what about those other films there? How are those really going to tie in into this one? And the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is kind of emulating Halloween 2018, which it didn't set this up. There's been films that have done that like in other genres, but it followed the trend uh, that's starting to become more and more popular to where it just skips past sequels that it doesn't really want to deal with and the convoluted backstory. And it's supposed to be a direct continuation of the original film. Now, if you recall in the original film, um, Sally Hardesty, uh, her brother Franklin, and then a group of their friends were going to uh, visit their late grandfather's grave. And they run afoul of the hitchhiker who ends up running them afoul of Leatherface and his family. And all of them are killed with the exception of Sally, who manages to escape. And that was the first film. The second movie that starred uh, Caroline Williams and Dennis Hopper was about Sally and Franklin's uncle, Lefty, basically trying to get revenge for what happened to the two of them and their friends. He's playing a uh, 
Texas Ranger. Or it's a former te no, it's it's current Texas Ranger. He plays the Texas Ranger that's kind of trying to hunt down Leatherface and his family to get revenge for everything that happens. Where Caroline Williams plays a uh, radio DJ who has basically run afoul of uh, Leatherface and his family, including Chop Top. Uh, so good. Best film in the series there. But it's also interesting because Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 ends on a pretty definitive note with not only Leatherface being dead, but the entire Sawyer, Drayden, Hewitt, Slaughter clan. I say all those names because one thing that's consistent about all these films is the last name just keeps on changing. And each, each and every single entry, I've lost track trying to keep track of what their actual last name is. It's like, look, that's Leatherface and that's all that matters. Like, thankfully they gave us Chop Top and two to where I don't have to go with a last name, but you get the idea. But, um... Part two is the best film in that series, but it was left pretty definitively that our villains are all dead and that our uh, our protagonist, our hero, Caroline Williams, who plays Stretch, uh, probably went insane from everything that, uh, that was happening. Part three, Leatherface, completely just like new story. It's kind of like they ignore what happened in two and do a direct sequel to one where Leatherface and now newer family members are hunting people down. And that's the story. There is no nothing extra to go with that. Uh, part four, The Next Generation, the Matthew McConaughey and the Ray, Renee Zellweger one. Uh, that was, uh, gave us this uh, conspiracy theory film where the idea was that the government has these various Texas Chainsaw Massacres happening. Uh, 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 for, I forget the, for the reason why. It's been, a, it's been a little bit since I've watched that. A couple of years, at least at this point, I thought it was. Um, but the government is kind of responsible for Leatherface and his crazy family over the years. And it's basically saying all the other films are canon. But again, there's some problems with the way that they set that up. And so they decided to go ahead and reboot that in the early 2000s. Uh, Michael Bay uh, decided to reboot that series. And we got the Jessica Biel movie, which a lot of people really, really do enjoy. And it's not that I dislike that film. It's just it didn't really do anything for me, honestly. Like kind of comparing that remake to the, the, the original or part two, I definitely enjoyed watching those more. And that's not a knock because I, I think all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies are enjoyable. And I actually think they're all on the same level, honestly, too. But it just wasn't for me. We got a prequel to that next, which delved into the origins of Leatherface. And it was kind of the most concrete backstory we had for him so far, which a lot of people didn't like that movie, but I enjoyed it because this was the best way for us to get something to go off uh, on something that seemed tangible and actually really good for this story of Leatherface and all his family. Um, and then we got Texas Chainsaw 3D, which is the much maligned sequel, almost just as bad as Next Generation. It was a direct sequel to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and tried to set up what's been going on over the past, you know, 35, 40 years with Leatherface as well, too. And then finally, uh, we get the next Leatherface title film, just called Leatherface, which was another prequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Again, trying to give us more of the backstory on how this all came to be. Now, we got a lot of mixed information on whether or not the, any of the other sequels still take place in this canon that is set up with uh, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. But it's kind of irrelevant, honestly, just because this series has never been a good one of like putting everything together. And that's not a knock. But if you go and watch every sequel, it's fairly clear that it's hard to keep the continuity from one film to the next, to the next, to the next. So it's always like looking at like each film is, is its own continuity. 
Like the first movie happened and then it's a new continuity with that first film for each sequel. So like one and two and then one and three and then one and four and then the reboot and the prequel. And then, uh, you know, one and Texas Chainsaw 3D, but then Leatherface, Texas, uh, the original one, Texas Chainsaw 3D. So there's a lot of different continuities out there and even more if you're asking me about it. And I think the better choice was probably not to put all those together because again, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a very lowbrow series. This is not Scream. This is not Halloween. This is not, you know, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or anything like that. You're coming because the kills. The kills are really going to be the most interesting part of the film itself. Uh, you know that's what Leatherface is going to do. You're also coming because you're probably expecting cannibals in there. And then lastly, you're expecting a group of kids or, you know, a couple or whatever ending up in a place that they shouldn't be. And that's why all this starts. And I'm pleased to let you know, in the words of the immortal meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad. We got two of those with this new uh, new film. So let's go ahead and talk about it. You can see I got our Atari Leatherface here to join me today. Yeah, y'all can see that there. Absolutely love this guy. This is from the classic. You can't really see it here. But um, this is from the old school uh, Atari Leatherface game that was out way, way back in the day. Uh, the only game so far that has been released on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but there is a new one coming out from Gun Media, the guys who made the Friday the 13th game. So we're stoked, we're happy, we're excited for it. Leatherface is definitely ready for that as well too. It's time to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, one point I wanna bring up is that I can't be the only asshole out here whose introduction to John Larroquette was Richie Rich. All right, I didn't catch Night Court that I can remember until the late 90s, and I didn't see a lot of his former works as well, including the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, until much later. So my introduction to John Larroquette was Richie Rich, and that's all I was going to say about that point there. It's, it's just interesting to me, honestly. But this film starts off with a recap of the original movie. And it sells it that this all happened and that when Sally got away, she told the cops about it and that Leatherface basically escaped. Now, what's interesting about that is at the end of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface isn't dead. The only person who's actually dead besides Sally's, uh, Sally's brother Franklin and their friends is uh, uh, the hitchhiker. Hitchhiker was the only one that I can recall that actually died on the bad side there. So a lot of Leatherface's family members should still be alive, but... At least in this film, we're not getting any kind of update on them. The idea is that Leatherface went missing and nobody has seen him since. Sally, on the other hand, became a Texas Ranger, kind of channeled uh, all that anger, all that fear, everything that she went through into something productive, helping people out for decades at a time. And this gives us our introduction to our young, uh, our young group of heroes. Uh, Mel, played by Sarah Yankin, that you should remember from Happy Death Day to You, plays our lead character, or one of our lead characters, of Melody, who's here with her sister Lila, their friend Dante, and Dante's, uh, Dante's fiance, um, Ruth. I always forget, it. it's Ruth. The four of them have come to the town of Harlow to buy the town and basically gentrify it to bring a group of investors in to kind of revamp the community and make it this paradise for young entrepreneurs and influencers and things like that now of course if you watch any of these texas chainsaw massacre movies usually the people in these towns just don't take too kindly for it a lot of times they make them seem very backwoods and everything and that they take offense with folks coming in and not understanding their ways it's very deliverance type it's very wrong turn it's like it's things like that 
And so, of course, there's a little bit of tension between our group of entrepreneurs and the locals who are still left, which there aren't that many. And this includes, uh, <laughs> and I don't mean this as disrespect, but this includes uh, who they find out is their contractor of this town, Richter, played by Mo Dunford. And I don't know about you, but the entire time I was watching this, I was like, okay, this guy is Stefan Dorf. Like literally this guy looks exactly like Stefan Dorf. Like it's annoying. I have to feel they casted him just because of that. Cause again, the last movie was Leatherface and Stefan Dorf was one of the main characters in that movie. He's technically one of the bad guys of the film. And I was like, that can't be a coincidence that you cast two people that look alike. But one of the ideas they sell on here is that uh, misconceptions can be fatal. Misconceptions can be, can be fatal all around because throughout the entire film, Characters are making a lot of preconceived misconceptions about other characters, and it causes more and more problems as the film progresses. Uh, one of the biggest misconceptions in there is that when our entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs do get to Harlow and they stumble upon a local orphanage where they find Miss MC, who has been taking care of Leatherface for the last few decades at this point, and is basically like his only link to the outside world. Now, again, we don't know what happened after the end of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So there's a lot of filling in the blanks here. A lot of us are led to believe that he just kind of disappeared from that point, the killing stopped, and that Miss uh, he either ended up on Miss MC's doorstep or she somehow found him and she's been, just been watching him keeping things like down for a while. Now, it's probably a good idea that she knew of Leatherface's activities and what he was doing because she had his chainsaw uh, you know, boarded up in the walls of her room. But the issue comes up is that Dante and Mel accuse Miss MC of no longer owning uh, the orphanage itself and that she has to get right out. And one of the only things that I did find myself having an issue here with this film is that, uh, you know, it's an interesting turn of events that are the person who kind of pushes things into motion and causes one of the bigger problems here is African-American. Dante basically uh, basically exacerbates the situation by you know letting Miss MC know, we own this orphanage, you don't own it, the bank should have communicated, get the hell out, basically. And that causes Miss MC to have a heart attack, which eventually kills her and leads to Leatherface seeking revenge against this group of kids. And that was a very interesting, interesting turn I thought they took with it. Like I enjoyed the fact that they didn't try to go the cliche route and make like Dante some kind of like rapper or he's a drug dealer or he's just like this like this person with these like terrible scruples and things like that. No, he's actually somebody who is making good moves and trying to do something big in his life. And unfortunately, he just went around it the completely wrong way. And that itself like kind of rang me wrong but i guess that's part of the whole idea of misconceptions being a big issue in this movie because dante himself makes some misconceptions about richter who ends up being kind of a heroic by the time the the credits roll at the end of the movie so maybe we're getting misconception about dante and dante is not necessarily this bad guy but unfortunately he's too focused on his dream to really care about the well-being of anybody else so Leatherface, after watching 
basically his mother die in front of his eyes decides he's gonna get revenge on what spurred all this and returns to the town of harlow to terrorize mel her sister lila and their friends and the group of uh, all these groups of investors who have shown up to bid on various buildings in the town and that's the story that's one of the best things here about this new film is that the runtime is not long at all guys i'm not kidding this movie is 81 minutes long and at least two to three of those minutes are if not more like actually i guess it's a good five minutes a good five minutes of that is credits which basically means that this film is 76 minutes long which means it's about an hour and 16 minutes if you're picking up on the map that is a short movie that is an incredibly short movie and i thought that would be a big problem with it but actually the short runtime works really really well because let's be honest and this is part of the discourse that has been coming up on social media about this film what exactly do you expect from a texas chainsaw massacre movie because i get it that there were messages in a couple of the older ones like in the in the first four there are some messages that they're trying to put out there like the first one uh, was a lot about the gas crisis and how the nation as a whole was just short on gas and we see like the dilapidated uh gas stations and you know uh, a family that's living off the land and off the bodies of people because they don't have any money and then the second film talks a lot about like Reagan's years and everything and how this family of evil people are the only ones who are actually uh, having any success. They're the only ones who are actually walking out of here and seeing anything that looks good in just this giant world. And then so on and so on with these other messages coming up. But even with that, I never took Texas Chainsaw Massacre at being something much deeper like a lot of these other films are saying. Like I always love referring to Scream but Scream talked a lot about like horror movies in the five movies that we've gotten. Like even this past one, Scream 5, talked a lot about toxic fandom and how that plays directly into like somebody's well-being, into like whether or not they could actually be crazy or anything like that as well too. So I get that maybe there's an idea that there are like big messages into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie movies, but I never felt that that was something that Number one, they did well, or number two was even all that important because I think, and in my opinion, this is what I do, I watch a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie to watch Leatherface fuck some people up in fun, inventive ways. Like, I think, weirdly enough, I enjoy Leatherface's chases more than anybody else because Leatherface, number one, runs after people. He absolutely runs after people. He is an athlete, man. Besides the running and the sprinting to catch up with folks, my man should be playing in the Olympics. We just finished the Winter Olympics. My man should really look about going to Paris in 2024. Cause dude, get him on the jet on the, on the shot put, get him on the javelin, uh, and then send him overseas to do like the hammer throws, like at the Scottish Games and things like that. Cause boy be chucking chainsaws and hammers and anything he can at people throughout like this entire series. That's what's so good about him is that I feel his chase scenes are so much better because you know someone's gonna get hurt and the question really is whether or not Leatherface is actually gonna get to kill you or whether you might get away and you still got some gruesome injuries and things like that. You know, he's gonna skin your face and you'll still be alive. And that was probably the most interesting part about this film is that 
a lot of the skinning and everything had a lot to do with the cannibalistic elements that all the other films really dive deep into. And this film stayed away from that because Leatherface was not surrounded by his family. And one thing that all the films, including the reboot and the prequel to that, have kind of made very obvious is that maybe Leatherface is being manipulated, but at the very least, he's being pushed into a lot of what he's doing. Especially with Texas Chainsaw 3D, we find out that a lot of that is him just kind of defending himself and taking care of himself. He's not necessarily this terrible person. But what I did find super interesting about this one is that we only see Leatherface skin one face in this. I hate to give a spoiler away, but Leatherface only really skins one person in the entire movie. The rest of it is about killing people. And that's actually one of the best aspects of it because I feel that the whole skinning thing in that came up started really being a big point of like the second film on and that's where everybody started to become to expect and it just gets gruesomer and gruesomer but realistically the kills were always really good and there are a lot of really good kills in this movie for sure a lot of really really good ones in this leatherface is just as brutal and as mean as ever in this one now there's obviously some eye rolling moments in it uh sarah yankin's character melody uh, obviously not a choice she made, but, uh, clearly the director is a fan of Prometheus and, uh, that means Mel's a fan of Prometheus cause she went to that Prometheus school of running away from things that are going to like kill you basically when a simple roll to the left or roll to the right might save your life with all of this now. And, uh, I, I digress cause that's a moot point. Honestly, uh, you know, watch the movie, but uh, I, I I found that I I it was cringy. It was very cringy watching that. Uh, but a point that does need to be hit as well too is that our second lead character, Lila, played by Elsie Fisher. Uh, a backstory is introduced for Lila that she's kind of a part of her sister Mel's uh, venture here to buy to own this town. Uh, she was in a school shooting. She was actually a victim of a school shooting, and so she's very uncomfortable around guns and violence and things like that. Now. I myself didn't have a problem with that backstory because it seemed a very it seemed less convoluted than something else they can come up with. Like I like Leatherface, I like Texas Chainsaw 3D, I like uh, the Next Generation, but those three films had very convoluted plots for a lot of the leads in that movie. So I feel that a school shooting, while it does seem a little too on the nose and it doesn't seem appropriate in the world that we live in, horror has never been appropriate. Horror is never about being appropriate. I think the big problem that comes with it is they decide that there's only one resolution and that resolution, I, I am going to spoil this here is that, you know, she's so fearful of guns and being in that environment and that, you know, if it were to ever happen again, she would just roll over and die and let it happen. And of course it becomes a will, uh, will she, won't she use a gun to protect herself. And I don't know if that's the right message to put out there because uh, I'm not going to get into that. We're not going to get too too politically into that scene or anything. But I don't know if I agree with that message. I have no issues with guns. I, re I really don't have an issue uh, with somebody using a gun. But it's an issue when if you're going to use a school shooting as a backstory for a character, suddenly you're saying that, yeah, the one thing that they picked up from that is that they're going to pick up a gun and start shooting people at some point. It's going to come back around and they're going to do the same thing. I don't know. But at the same time, that could be a comment on, you know, Melody's even more, uh, not Melody, but Lila's even more fucked up than we believe there. And that maybe this, we're saying that this is something that she would have done down the line in a much more terrible situation. Who knows? Let me know what you think about that in the comments, because that's definitely one of the most interesting things about it. 
But we got to talk about that bus scene. We got to talk about Sally before we're done with this. So that bus scene, the one that they, you know the one I'm talking about where they say, don't do anything, bro. You'll get canceled. They're filming on Instagram. That scene goes about as well as you think. It is fantastic. And because of that scene, I think it's actually possible that this movie has the highest body count for Leatherface out of any of his films, which shouldn't be surprising because Leatherface is usually only going to kill about three or four people per movie on average. So we absolutely exceed that with this entry right now. It is a fantastic scene. Leatherface comes off looking so great for it. There is a little bit of hilarity to it, but it's also brutal. It's also mean. It's also bloody. It's also visceral. It's a really, really good scene for sure. Definitely my favorite one in the in the entire film here. And that kind of brings us to Sally. So the Sally problem is, is that it's hard to ignore Halloween 2018. They don't need to be compared. Sally is not Laurie Strode. Both of these characters work completely separately because they're not the same kind of person. With Jamie Lee Curtis and Laurie Strode, the reason why Halloween 2018 works so well is because regardless of the fact that we're getting rid of the other sequels, we don't have to forget that Jamie Lee Curtis has been doing this for 40 years. Halloween 2. And then even in Halloween 4, 5, 6, those are all centered around a character who's related to Jamie Lee Curtis's character. So it's still like she's kind of in the background being important. We get Halloween H2O, which is the first attempt at them skipping all these sequels and going back. We get Halloween Resurrection that she's in as well, too. Laurie Strode was the main character in both of Rob Zombie's reboot in the sequel. So it makes sense to bring Laurie back and that Laurie has become this tough-as-nails woman who's waiting for the day that Michael's going to show back up so she can be the one to put him down. With Sally, we never see Sally again. Yes, she does have a cameo um, in a couple of the other films, like the actress and the character has a cameo in a few of the other films there, but... We don't get a follow-up. We don't get a follow-up. I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 said that she passed, I want to say. Um, but we don't really get much in the way of seeing what else Sally has been up to. So the issue is not that she came back. But I think one of the bigger issues is that they try to turn her into Lefty, who is uh, Dennis Hopper in the second film. Dennis Hopper, again, plays this character Lefty, who's a Texas Ranger who's looking for revenge for what happened to Sally and Franklin and their friends. And Sally's doing the exact same thing. She was a Texas Ranger for the last, you know, however many decades. And, you know, we don't know if she's been waiting for Leatherface, but at the same time, we kind of know it. Like, of course, she's been waiting for Leatherface to show back up. He's not dead. And that's fine, but it doesn't have the impact, I think, that the filmmakers were hoping for. It's not bad in the least bit, but it just doesn't hold that same impact. It's like, oh, okay, cool. She's Texas Ranger. Oh, okay, cool. She's there with Leatherface. This is, you know, 40 years in the making. It's like, that's that that's all right, but it doesn't really mean that much to us as an audience. In my personal opinion, I didn't think it meant that much. And I've been kind of laughing my ass off the last few days as well, too, because there's a conversation, literally a conversation, a one-sided conversation that Sally has with Leatherface that reminded me very much of the same conversation that Ming-Na Wen and Raul Julia had in Street Fighter about, uh, for me, it was Tuesday. And Please rewatch that part of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then go watch Street Fighter and tell me you don't sense that at all. A lot of people were referencing Avengers Endgame with like Wanda and Thanos, but I don't think that that really counts because at least Thanos can talk at that point. And I get it's still the same point, but I think Street Fighter fits more. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the Sally, this, this Sally thing. And I think that might have to do with the fact that, again, the plots of these Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies are sometimes so thin that there is no importance behind people actually coming back, like characters returning in them, honestly. Like, it was cool in Texas Chainsaw 3D to see um, uh, to see uh, Bill Mosley playing, uh, uh, playing uh, 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 Sawyer, Drayden, uh, Slaughter, whatever you want to say, basically. Like, that was really cool getting to see him play that role and seeing that character come back. But I'd be lying if I had an interest in seeing any of the characters in this film come back that wasn't, like, Caroline Williams' stretch or maybe Matthew... Uh, well, Vilmer's dead, so I guess that doesn't count. Maybe Renee Zellweger, but that's about it, honestly. So I don't know if that was the right route for them to go, but they did it, and we got to live with that at this point here. So what I will say is that if you come into this Tex Chainsaw Massacre movie without expectations, and I know that's not really a great thing to say because it's like, well, I should have some expectations. I wanted to enjoy the film, but I think you will. I want you all to think about what do you actually expect out of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? Watch it. Did you get what you were expecting? What are you actually looking for? Or is it just that because we've seen all these other classic franchises returning recently that are doing more, but that's because they're deeper stories as well too, are we telling ourselves that that's what, uh, what Texas Chainsaw Massacre has always been when it really hasn't? So let me know in the comments. I'm very, very curious about y'all's thoughts there on that, all right? I'm very, very curious about whether or not you actually expected more from this Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie and whether it met those expectations. Let me know that in the comments. Let's talk about it. So that is gonna do it for us tonight, folks. Uh, I have loved talking some Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, Massacre with you guys, and I'm definitely, definitely ready to uh, get a third watch of this in as well, too. So get over to the Facebook page so you can get the link to come and watch that with us along with some fun TV shows. And don't forget, next week we're doing Guillermo del Toro. We are talking Nightmare Alley and Mimic. So you don't want to miss those. Uh, it's rare that I talk about Guillermo del Toro, but it's time to do it. We're going to talk about one of my movies, uh, one of his movies that I really, really love and another one that I haven't seen yet, but it's got a lot of good buzz and we're crossing our fingers that it's going to all work out. So be back next week. We're talking Nightmare Alley. We're talking Mimic. Let's make it work, y'all. Uh, that's going to do it. I'm T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.